G'day, g'day guys, welcome to episode 10 of the next Checkpoint on Sin. I am your host, Connor Matthews, as always, and today we've got quite an interesting episode. If you're familiar with that sound, you know that is the PS1 startup screen, and today we're going to be looking at the PlayStation 1 Classic, the, I guess, the, <laughs> the plug-and-play console, which had more than mixed reviews when it came out, but if you want to check us out and check out previous episodes, please go on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash nextcheckpointpodcast, and if you want to listen to previous episodes, please check us out on Omni, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff, and you know, leave a like, rate, review, all that good stuff, you know, give us a subscribe so you don't have to miss any episodes, so yeah, all that fun stuff, and so I recently went through the task of going through the entire collection of PS1 classic games, so this was announced late last year, I don't remember the exact date, but it had a pretty good first sort of release trailer where it had five of the 20 games, and you know what? It had some had some good stuff in there. It looked rather promising. And as the weeks went on and when it eventually released to the public, it was terrible. Not many true PlayStation classics, if you will, personally. And I purchased this a little while ago, haven't had the full chance to play it just until now. And I can say that, yes, I agree with the general consensus that this PlayStation classic, and I use that in heavy quotations, is really not much to look at. Really, it's just a list of games that were on the PlayStation, and maybe PlayStation exclusives. Some of them, I don't believe, were PlayStation exclusives, but just maybe sold more on the PlayStation, whether that be in, you know, the European regions, or Japan, or wherever. But yeah, it was kind of a, it was a big old disappointment for a lot of people, including myself, when looking at the lineup of games and kind of seeing a lot of omissions. Before we actually get into the games, all 20 of them, we're going to go through each and every one of them. I'm going to sort of look at not only the console, but also the controller. Two of the, the better aspects of this console is actually the design. Not, not necessarily the design, but just the feel of it, the look of it, and all that stuff. So we're going to start off with the actual console itself. Now I have it with me in my hands right now, and it is essentially a babyfied PlayStation 1. It is like almost the... I'm just going to get my phone to do like a size comparison. Just so like we can get something. Okay, so I have a, a Galaxy... Samsung Galaxy Note 5. And in terms of height, this is taller than the PlayStation Classic. In terms of width, yes, the PlayStation Classic is very much wider. But really, this is almost like just the size of a high-end and a big old bulky smartphone. And in some ways, this is probably the best thing about it because it looks cute. It looks like a fun little thing. It's a nice display piece. But in turn, you have, yes, a very nice display piece, but that's all it really is, just a display piece. And the box that this thing came with replicated the same box you had on the original PlayStation 1, which was like junk food for anyone's eyes, especially if you're a PlayStation fan. So... We have two controller ports, USB type controller ports, and that's another thing I really like about the controller when we get to it. It's the Model 1 PlayStation, so you have like 
has the design of like the fan on the bottom and the side grills. And you have the yep, the open button, which will go to disc two of certain games, so something like Final Fantasy VII and Metal Gear Solid. You press that, yep, there you go, it goes to the second disc. And obviously you have the on and off power button and the reset button, which will take you back to the main menu where you can save your game. You have a HDMI port, a USB type a adapter and one thing that was really weird about this is that this didn't come with its own AC adapter but rather you had to provide your own it had the cord to plug it but not the AC adapter which is really weird so I had to use like a, a phone charger just to play this which in terms of like why this wasn't in it it's a bit confusing considering that it comes with a HDMI and these days we've Every single one of us has probably got 10 HDMI cords just lying around the place. They're very easy to come by, and it's just a little weird, really. Like, it doesn't run off the power of my TV, unlike the Super NES Classic, which does. Which is really weird. It's a kind of a weird design choice. But that's more on the technical side. That's not my expertise, if you will. My expertise is just within the games itself. But in terms of the console itself, it actually looks pretty nice. I like the look of it. Once again, very good display pace. We also have the PlayStation 1 Classic controller. Now, holding it, it feels perfectly fine. I almost forget how much the PlayStation 1 controller, without, like, say, the, the thighs of the controller, looks like the Super NES controller, which is really weird because Sony originally was going to do a CD add-on for the Super NES. There's, like, a whole thing about it. My only gripe... My only gripe with this is that this isn't a DualShock controller. This is like the first edition of the PlayStation 1 controller where you just have the D-pad, which feels nice in my hands. You've got the buttons, if you can, if you can hear that. feels rather clicky, which is pretty good. And you have these shoulder buttons, which aren't, you know, much. They're just shoulder buttons, really. And really, there's not much you can say about it. The only major gripe is that, yes, no analog sticks. So games, say, like Ape Escape or RC Stunt Copter, you, you can't play. And it makes some, some games in this collection a little bit harder to play. But overall, it's a nice controller. Feels nice. I like the USB port. So if you remember, for the PlayStation 1 controllers, it had like the ends where you'd plug it into the console. They've done the same thing for the USB cord, which I think is a really nice touch. But yeah, besides like the little quirks of the controller, there really isn't much to talk about here. It's just a, an old school PS1 controller, which yes, it's a classic, but you lose the ability to really play some good games with it. So it's a bit disappointing in that regard, but overall presentation of the console itself is I quite like it. Now, when we actually boot up the console, it has the same noise that we played at the start of the episode, and it is like, it's like junk food for my ears. You're going to love it, especially if you're a PS1 fan. It brings that feeling of nostalgia, and you just puke nostalgia, practically. It's just everywhere. And when we get into the game's menu, it has the memory card screen of the American PS1, the North American ones, which had kind of like a rainbow pukey aesthetic, whilst the PAL owners had sort of like a grey blocky kind of thing. It's weird. It's a little weird. So it doesn't work for me, doesn't do anything for me. I would have liked just a unique menu or something from like a demo disc 
I kind of thought that'd be better, but nah. It's a menu, it navigates fine. Another thing is just with the Super NES Classic, it just punches you in the face and just sort of kicks you in the balls of like the charm of the thing. Not only do you have multiple save slots, but you also have different borders you can use for games. You can like have different effects, including having the CRT TV kind of feel to it. This really ha is bare bones. Really, it only does one thing, and that's just play the games, which inherently, okay, yeah, that's what you want from this thing, but if you want a little bit extra that you can have fun with, it's not a fun console to go into and play. Unlike the Super NES Classic, hell, even with, you know, the Super NES Online app on the Nintendo Switch, you can have fun with it. You can do some different filters, like the CRT filter, you can use a rewind feature, which is great for some like difficult platformers and all that. But really, it's just disappointing in, in that regard, in my opinion. But we're not here to talk about that. We're actually here to talk about the games. And we're going to get started. So, 20 games I've got to go through. Some good, some bad, some in between. And this one is in between. This is Battle Arena Toshinden. Now, this game released on September 29th, 1995 as a launch title to the PlayStation 1. So this kind of reminds me of Virtual Fighter in that it's a 3D polygon kind of fighter with some elements trying to utilize the 3D, which in this case you have kind of like a kind of like a dodge feature where you can sort of move to the side making use of like the 3D aspect of the PlayStation 1 which at first was kind of the big thing. Now this was a launch title in the North American and European versions, not the Japanese PS1, which which came out like a year before. So this was like the first taste of a fighting game for the American audience. And in terms of a fighting game, it feels like a 1995 fighting game. There's really not much to say about it. It's clunky. It's like just old school. It's kind of weird because I play Mortal Kombat 11. And in Mortal Kombat 11, you have silky smooth combos that feel fantastic to execute. In this, this just feels clunky to me. You don't really have combos, but you sort of do. You do have some like special moves that you can do, but it's... I don't know. I found it quite difficult to pull off. And it's just, I found it somewhat difficult in fights where I just basically had to spam one of the buttons in the game. So for me, I chose the character Foe because his face looks like a fish. So I, that's why I chose him. And you've got some weird characters. You have Rongo, who looks like he's got pillows under his singlet. At first, the I actually played this on easy mode. Now, I'll explain why. Because this game has a huge difficulty curve, which just really threw me off. So the first fights were just baby levels easy. I was just destroying them all over the place, left, right, and center, you know, Easy stuff. And then as you get on, the difficulty spike is just insane to me. I lost a couple times trying to get to the final boss, and it was just weird, just sort of like, why isn't, say, Tekken 2 in here, or Tekken 1? Granted, Tekken 3 is in this thing, I'll get to that a bit later, but, you know, why not a different fighting game? Why not, say, like, Marvel vs. Capcom, which I think could have been better than, say, Battle Arena Toshinden, which is a very clunky game. I'm not going to say it's bad, but I'm going to say it's very, very, very outdated, and it, it really doesn't hold up today. It really doesn't. It's too clunky, too stiff. The button input delays are very noticeable. Like, I'm trying to do a combo, but it's just, no, it just doesn't work for me. And, and another thing, the final boss, now, 
final bosses in fighting games are known to known to be difficult, known to be a little bit challenging. But this, this guy hits me with one shot, and I am, like, I am at less than half health after one shot, and just, I'm, I'm practically losing the fight, and I haven't even hit him yet. I'm trying to hit him, yet he just, like, hits me with one thing and rounds over. And I found that to be quite annoying, and that's when I actually switched off the game here. I'm sure in multiplayer you can get fun out of this, which I do believe that this game was maybe designed from, but really, you could have put a 2D fighting game here, or even another 3D fighter like Soul Blade, which I thought was actually a... That's a fantastic game with an awesome intro cutscene, which I would have liked that, just to, you know, hear that again. But yeah, this game, it, it feels like a 1995 fighting game. It feels less floaty than Virtual Fighter, which I can say that's kind of a good thing. You have sort of like the, the Soul Calibur ring out thing. Every character has some sort of weapon. In the case of Foe, he's got like the, the Vega like claws, almost like Wolverine. You have uh, Rongo, who's got like a massive club. And you got Duke that's got massive swords, and everyone's got a weapon of some sort. Now, the game today, I don't think it holds up really well. And on Metacritic, overall, the reception was like a... It was, it was mixed, but in a good way. It was ranging from 6 to 8.5 out of 10, just from various different outlets. Current day, it has a Metacritic score of 69, with a 5.8 user score. So, not... The worst fighting game you could ever play, but in terms of today, it is extremely clunky and doesn't really fit well. And why is this on the PlayStation Classic? Ask me that. Because maybe this game was big in Japan. Maybe. But I don't see why this game should be on the PlayStation Classic, especially when you have such massive omissions, which I'll get to eventually, but... Really, you could have maybe just stuck with Tekken or added a another 2D or 3D fighter, which was a better game. So, yeah, that is Battle Arena Toshinden. This is one I actually played quite a bit of, just to sort of get a feel for it. And I thought maybe after some extra bit of skills, after some like, okay, this is what I can do with this character, I thought I'd get better. But no, the game sort of cheats you out in the final boss. Alright, now moving on to game number two, Cool Borders 2. Alright, so, this is like the late 90s, extreme sports is on the rise, you got some skateboarders, you got Tony Hawk, you got all them, and, you know, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, fantastic game, absolutely, a classic on the PS1, why isn't that, why isn't Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on here? But, instead, we got Cool Borders 2, a snowboarding game, which, snowboarding games I don't think get enough credit. I think the Sean White series was actually alright, I didn't mind it, but Cool Borders 2, I cannot stand, and it comes down to the controls. Presentation-wise, it's kind of like that cool, you know, late 90s, cool kid kind of vibe. You know, if you were a cool kid back in the day, you owned Cool Borders 2 on the PlayStation 1. But the control layout was stupid. I thought trying to do tricks was just impossible because you had to do them instantly with no room for error. Otherwise, you're just going to fall, fall, fall fall and in races it was just I could I didn't even bother doing tricks because well I knew I was just gonna fall if I tried to be cool with it which is just frustrating I was not a fan of it the crowd noise was irritating I actually turned this game onto mute the menu music however is 
pretty good. There's really not much for me to say about this. I did like a couple of races and was like, no, I think I'm I'm done with this game. I did like a, I also did maybe like one of those jump things. We try and do tricky tricks to get a score. I found that really difficult to use. And I just found myself trying to do the same trick whilst trying to keep balanced. Otherwise, you're just going to fall flat on your face every time. This is not a good game. And I'm not... Granted, I didn't play too long. But I'm still just like... I didn't really understand why this was this was a game that people sort of flock to when it came to snowboarding. And I don't understand why. You know, this is a PlayStation Classic. But I'll get to that a little bit later. But... Essentially, this is a, just a very hard-to-control game. It's kind of crap. And there's a trick that's named a stiffy. I'll let, that, I'll let that sink in for a moment. A stiffy. That gets some marks down for me. So this released on the 1st of February, 1998, here in Australia. And the reviews were kind of okay between the 5 and 7.5 out of 10 range, which obviously some people didn't like it, some people liked it. Is this PlayStation Classic worthy? Hell no, this game kind of sucks. And I don't understand why you have this game in on this system where you have other great racing games like Wipeout, which isn't on the list. And I don't think this game really utilizes the 3D, like it, it is the 3D game, but it's just like... There's just not much to this. Like, Wipeout is a game that uses 3D extremely well. It is a beautiful-looking game, especially the sequels from the original. Cool Borders 2 is an ugly game, and I just... I did not like this game. It's as simple as that. I did not like it. I'm going to be I'm gonna be a red-ass on this one and say I hated this game. For me, it really all comes down to the controls. The controls were difficult. The controls were confusing. Overall, I just didn't understand why the PlayStation Classic has this game. I don't understand why. So I'm going to stop talking about that. We're going to go to another game that I didn't really care too much for, and that was Destruction Derby. Now, Destruction Derby is a series that's been going on for a while. In fact, I think there's a sort of like a spiritual successor in Wreckfest, which I think is pretty fun. I've seen some footage of it. It looks fun. It looks silly, you know, with friends. And I think that this game, with friends, is a blast. On your own, this game can be quite boring. In terms of the racing, it's fine. Like, there really isn't much to talk about that. But it's not the most exciting racing game. And that's just from the racing itself. When you get into, like, the Destruction Derby bit and some of, like, the interesting challenge modes, like the Survival Mode, which is basically 19 cars basically trying to destroy you. And I actually kind of had a bit of fun with that, sort of going a little bit crazy with it, trying to avoid everything, trying to make sure I'm keep moving and try to take out other races when I could. But overall, this game, to me, loses its novelty in about five minutes because there's nothing to it. There's no sort of personality to it other than this is a destruction derby. You will destroy your other car enemies and take out everything and blah. So, yeah, it's not really a game that I would recommend alone. You definitely do need friends with it. But it's also another example of why isn't Wipeout here? Like, why isn't Wipeout here a good racing game? Because I feel like, yeah, the PlayStation Classic has a couple of racing games, or one racing game particularly here, but this I didn't really care much for. It's just another 
that's just another game to me. Destruction Derby, though, yes, releasing in 1995, October 20th, and it did use 3D wet, like, well enough for 1995, okay? And that's one thing that I think this may have been the reason why this game was in was because, <clears throat> excuse me, because of its implementation of 3D. Now, I really don't know how to sort of feel about this game. Overall, reception was extremely mixed. You had some reviews going as low as 3 out of 10 to as high as 9 out of 10. So it really is sort of a case-by-case -case basis on whether you'll actually like this game. You don't really have a roster of characters, but rather just you have a mode to pick from. Here's a menu. Go play and have fun, which I had fun for maybe like five minutes, but that's about it. So, you know, is it PlayStation Classic worthy? I don't think this particular version of Destruction Derby is. I would have preferred to go with the sequels as they were much better, much more enhanced. You know, graphics were probably a bit better. And overall, they probably learnt from Destruction Derby onto Destruction Derby 2, which I do believe is the better game. And now we're actually going to move on to the opposite of pretty much everything we've covered so far, an actual game that probably belongs on the PlayStation Classic, Final Fantasy VII. Now, I'm not particularly a fan of JRPGs, nor of the Final Fantasy series, so please take this particular part of the review with a big old massive grain of salt as someone who doesn't play JRPGs. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it, but I can very much appreciate Final Fantasy's legacy on the PlayStation, and the game is good. I didn't get too far into it. Maybe like an hour. Maybe I think I got up to like the first big boss of the game. So I got I kind of got a taste of the combat. I got a kind of taste of you know the the victory sound, which was which is pretty cool. I kind of liked doing that and just seeing Barrett like raise his hand in victory every time, and Cloud just like flipping his sword, doing flippy doos with it. So that was kind of cool. But for me, one thing that, it was kind of weird, button placements was a little bit weird, I'm so used to like selecting options with the X button instead of like the square or circle, but for me, I can't really talk too much about this simply because I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy guy, but I did enjoy my time with it, I actually did, I did like the, the whole setting of, I did like the backgrounds of the game, it's kind of a gritty, gritty opening setting, but kind of gorgeous as well and I loved it. it just it felt kind of weird seeing a 3D character like a 3D sprite in like a 2D roaring it was really weird kind of seeing that but I definitely see why this game is a classic like it's definitely there this released on the 17th of November 1997 for Australia I'm not sure where it released elsewhere and overall reception do I need to say anything more that everyone loves this game it has a Metacritic score of 92 with a user score of 92. So everyone agrees that's reviewed it. This game's fantastic. And I cannot deny that. The music is good. The setting was really nice. I love the I love the like polygon character models. That was pretty cool. And is this PlayStation Classic worthy? Absolutely. This is a game that I can say defined the PlayStation. And it's definitely something that I would definitely go to. But once again, not a big JRPG guy, but I can definitely recommend it to people. Next up, now this one was an interesting one for me because I was never really sure why this was on here. Though nowadays it is the biggest game ever 
at this point. We're talking about Grand Theft Auto. This is the first game in the Grand Theft Auto series, and the first thing I thought when I booted up this game was how far Grand Theft Auto has come. We've come from a top-down kind of action-ish game to one of the biggest entertainment properties of all time. <laughs> how crazy is that? And another thing of how about how far we've come is that in this game, you rely on, to actually move, you have to press the X button, which is really weird because nowadays you can just free move your character, no worries, you can press X to sprint, but for this, you actually have to press X to move, and that was kind of weird, sort of, I'm going to grab the controller here for a split second just to sort of give you an explanation, just like holding X and then trying to tank control my way through this game. And the button layout was really, really weird. You know, I think I had to press square to, like, get into cars. And just, it was really weird at first and just kind of threw me off. But this game, it's the start of a legacy, which it's pretty cool to see. I do think Chinatown Wars did this better. You know, they did a top-down game, which worked. Though, um, I do believe that this is such a... It's an inclusion I'm willing to accept, but... It's also just weird in that, I don't know, I didn't really know how to think of it. You just sort of like press X, move around. I think circle was to fire your gun. So like button placement was, in terms of like having to move your finger, move your thumb to like press some other buttons, that was perfectly fine. You know, just drag your right thumb to the circle button to shoot and all that. The aiming was a bit off just because I couldn't figure out how to aim at things correctly. And driving was, you know... For how you move in the game, it was definitely what I expected. So, didn't really run into any cops. You know, I didn't get to see how aggressive they were in this game, but I did do what you do in Grand Theft Auto and just create mayhem. So, you know, that was fun for while it lasted. Now, this game released on the 12th of December 1997, and the overall reception was ranging from the mid-60s to the low-70s. This was not a Metacritic score. I couldn't find the original game on Metacritic, but it was... It was an interesting trip. I definitely won't say that I had a ton of fun with this game. It's definitely not something I would go back to willingly. <laughs> it's because here's the thing, you got Grand Theft Auto V, you got all that stuff, and you can just have fun with that. Obviously, you know, San Andreas, you can always go back to there. So for what it is, perfectly fine. Is it PlayStation Classic worthy? As I said before, it's possible. But I would have personally, just personally, if you wanted sort of like an action game, I would have gone with something like Medieval since the remake recently came out. And why not? Like you could have hyped up the game even more by giving people access to the original Medieval, which I think could have been a great move by Sony. But they didn't. So we've got Grand Theft Auto, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but also not a great thing. So... Yeah, would have preferred Medieval, but now moving on to game number six. Okay, it's going to be like the most positive portion of this podcast, because the next couple of games I actually really enjoyed. I actually probably enjoyed the most. So we've got Intelligent Cube, or in Powell Regions, Crushy. This is a very fun and quite challenging puzzle game, where you try to run around cubes by marking them by pressing the X button, and as the cube sort of lands, you press again to make it disappear and move on. And the idea is that you want to get rid of all the cubes so you can have more more room, essentially, to move around and get rid of cubes. So 
every time you successfully pass like a course, the blocks will build up behind you. So you have more room to run backwards just in case to kind of think of some strategy. And, you know, you can easily fall off in this game too. You have kind of like three lives, which is pretty cool. And really, this was a fun, addictive puzzle game. Now, if you, pre you actually, if you disappeared like the green cubes in the game, you would get basically like a, almost like a bomb blast where you could destroy a bunch of cubes surrounding the area, which was a really cool like puzzle mechanic where if you were struggling, you could use that and it would work. So it was just, oh wow. It was just really insane for me to think that like out of all the games here, this was the one that took me by surprise in that this was the most fun I had playing on this system. I actually spent probably the most time on this game. I actually spent like a couple of hours playing this game, just trying to get through everything. And it was just a lot of fun, really. Like, it's a fun little puzzle game that I believe is kind of like a hidden gem almost. You don't hear people talking about Intelligent Cube. So... Yeah, this was kind of an interesting one. I loved it. I had a blast with it, but I definitely do believe that this is a PlayStation Classic worthy game. So it came out in October 1997 and has an aggregate score of 72 on game ranking. So I believe this game should be higher. I believe this game should be like in the 80s. I had an absolute blast with this game. I had so much fun just trying to beat this game and it was difficult. It was a very difficult puzzle game, which I liked. I'm not a, the biggest guy when it comes to puzzle games, but when I started playing this, I started really getting into it. They have a very good tutorial section, like tutorial videos that you can watch and sort of learn with it, which is pretty cool. I think it's a great way for new players to get involved. And really, it was just, it was just really weird that I, the, the game I enjoyed the most from this system was a puzzle game. Yeah, fantastic game. Is it PlayStation Classic worthy? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is just such a fun game with such addicting gameplay, but also it's a rare find on the market. So why not put it in? Have some have like some hidden gems in this game. You don't need to have some big hits all the time. Another game we have that I actually very, very much enjoyed was Jumping Flash. Now, this was a very early kind of first-person platformer slash first-person shooter where you play as a cybernetic rabbit called Robert that shoots frogs with top hats. Now, please take my money. Take my money. That sounds fantastic. And essentially, it is a level-by-level -level game where you collect jet pods in each stage within like a 10-minute time limit to move on to the next stage and to an eventual boss fight in like every third stage. Unlike Battle Arena Toshinden, which was an early 3D game I talked about before, the visuals aren't the best. It definitely shows its age, but it's still a fun game. I still actually had a lot of fun and for some for the detail in this game, I thought it was really cool. And the first person aspect of it was quite rare back in that day. And it was really cool to experience it. I had a blast in this game. There's so many different like power-ups in this game and just the overall exploration of the stage was also very cool you could collect coins you could do all that fun stuff it's the platforming's really good it's a it's a bit floaty but i think that was intentional you have like your initial jump and then just like a massive boost to like blast you up 
in, onto like another platform from a very far distance. And here's the thing, this game does the platforming better than Bubsy 3D, which is just really weird. Bubsy 3D came out a year after Jumping Flash, yet this game, in every single way, is so much better than Bubsy 3D. I do wish the game had a bit more open space when it came to boss battles. I found that a little bit challenging in a tight area where you're trying to, like, jump around and all that stuff. So I think that... But really, that's kind of, like, the most minor nitpick I have with the game. The game came out on September 29th, 1995, and had some generally high scores from, you know, 7.5 out of 10 onwards. So pretty good consensus of that. People really like this game. There was some sequels to it. I'm actually going to add this game to my collection because I do believe that this game is fun. It is a fun game. And is it PlayStation Classic worthy? I do believe so. This This is one I would definitely consider for me. Just because it is a fun game that I think even new players who are experienced in, say, character platformers and stuff like that i think they could get a ton of fun out of this game like and i mean a ton of fun so that's kind of been the overall positive thing about the playstation classic you do find some hidden gems in this and for me i found my couple there's still a couple more in in here that i'm very excited to talk about but next up we have metal gear solid which it's you know, fantastic action game, stealth action game. Everyone knows about Metal Gear Solid, so there really isn't much I can say about it. The game plays perfectly fine. The one thing I will say, and this is not on the game, but rather the system itself, this game could have used the DualShock controller. It, it, it should have had analog controls, which I will be saying that for quite a few games on here. Metal Gear Solid, you know, everyone knows what it is. It's an absolute classic but for me, I've never actually, I actually had never played Metal Gear Solid before. So for me, I really can't say too much. And I do acknowledge that this is a fantastic game. But stealth, stealth games is not my kind of thing. I like to go, you know, just go in and go blam, 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 blam. And just shoot everything on sight with reckless abandon. So something like a Far Cry. Something similar to that. Maybe like a Doom. Stealth Action really isn't my kind of thing, but that's just my own personal preference. Overall, this game is fantastic. The story is wacky, it's great. Snake is like one of the most iconic characters, and it was made when Konami was just banging out hit after hit. It's just a shame that Metal Gear has now been reduced to Metal Gear Survive, and that's kind of it for Metal Gear. Like, you had the Phantom Pain, which everyone really liked, and then you had survive which no one liked so this released in power regions on the 22nd of february 1999 overall reception once again extremely positive with a 94 percent on metacritic and a 9.2 user score is this playstation classic worthy without question without question this is a playstation classic worthy game all right moving on to game number nine game number nine mr driller now this game this game I'm, I'm nowhere near familiar with. It, basically, you have to try and drill your way to the bottom of each stage without getting squished. And you go through different areas to get pockets of, like, air. So it's quite a simple puzzle game. But one another nitpick with this system is that, for some reason, Mr. Driller is, like, 20 decibels louder than any other game. Why is it so loud? 
Like, I don't get it. <laughs> I actually had to turn my TV down to mute just so I could play the game because the game itself was incredibly loud and I don't know why that is. Like, that's just really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you drill through a, like a mine. It's, you know, it's fine. It's a fine little puzzle game. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a successor to Dig Dug. Or kind of like a spin-off to Dig Dug. I'm not really too sure. He's just had a ton of games on like practically every console since like the PlayStation 1. But really, most of this game just sort of goes down to like pressing down on the D-pad and pressing X to drill. And that's kind of it. Like if I'm going to grab the controller again, press down on the D-pad, press X and just sort of just wait there till I need to get air. Then maybe go left or right to get some. And that's kind of it. This game does have several modes, which I can appreciate. You have your classic arcade mode, you have time attack and survival modes to kind of challenge yourself. But really, there's not much you can say about it. It's an arcade puzzle game, which I'm sure, you know, if you're hanging around with friends and trying to see who can get the high score, it's all good. But just for me, just casually playing it on my own, I didn't see much value in it. Now, this came out in November 1999, and the reception was as low as 65% and as high as 85%. So not a bad game per se, but I think this is a very forgettable game. Why is this on the PlayStation Classic? I don't know why this isn't here, which is really weird because you could have put so many different games here. Like, this isn't like a hidden gem, like Karushi that's addictive in its nature. This is just... Not boring, but just meh. Like, meh, meh. I didn't... Sure, you can have your fun with this game, but I personally didn't. Though I acknowledge that, you know, it it works fine. There's no bugs, there's no glitches, none that I experienced. And, like, the volume situation's a little bit weird, but... Eh. It is what it is. I don't understand why it's on here when you probably could have put... You know, many, many other games that probably did better on the PlayStation, so, I don't know, it was a really weird one. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show. Okay, see you later, bye-bye.